1: What was it? Jump frog? Frog jump? Whatever.
0: I'm beating the fool!
2: The two people that are really concerned about substance abuse are Dana Plato and Todd Bridges.
3: I don't think Dudley's dad's orthodontia has anything to do with him being a better or worse victim for a pedophile.
4: Now the world don't move to the beat of just one drum.
3: Hello and welcome. We are back. It is the Baller Lifestyle Podcast from theballerlifestyle.com. Very excited. Very special episode of the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. Episode 149. Last show of the year. And we're dedicating it. To one of the greatest sitcoms of all time And by greatest, I mean the only shit that was on TV when you were a kid Of course I'm talking about Different Strokes And a very special episode of Different Strokes The Bicycle Man episode of Different Strokes Joining me now, as always, our very own Ed Daly Ed, how are you?
2: I'm a little creeped out after watching this episode again
3: It was not what I expected. It was very made me feel very dirty. I feel like Gordon Jump should have won some type of award because he had to play do some very very creepy upsetting things, and I I feel like he had to drink his way. He still haunts dreams (laughs) with that performance. Yes, he does. He really does. So creepy. Also joining us. A very special guest. You've heard him here before. You know him well. You've seen his beefs. You've seen. You've heard his Crush Rock commercials. You've seen him in the movies. You you heard him here recently on his very own Inside the Actor Studio. Of course, I'm talking about the great Mister Automatic, Jason Stewart. Jason, how are you? You know
1: what? Um, Long pause. It's a pleasure to be with you too. And I I will say this that. Their use I, I, I found out in a documentary once that uh these pedophiles use something called uh what's it jump frog frog jump, whatever. Um where they do something very disturbing. Jumping over bent over kids. Leapfrog is now called out the, the Gordon
3: jump. Oh Leapfrog? Jump frog.
1: Whatever. <laughs> really, I,
2: was, I was going for a joke there. He Don't
3: really woo- went a long line. distance. I mean that's that's the opening <laughs> wow. minute. You
2: might want to and recalibrate
3: <laughs> it's, things. It's, it's, see, some actors aren't the best when they don't have somebody else's script to work off. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm concerned about how the rest of this episode's going to go, but it's very nice to have you, Jason Stewart. Let's play a little jump frog tonight, okay?
1: <laughs> let's play some Gordon Jump.
3: <laughs> uh, unbelievable. Okay. Of course, we're talking about different strokes. This is a show. This is an iconic show from, depending on your age, but I'm guessing that most people listening to this show are of an age that this show resonates with them because they watched it often in their childhood. It ran from 1978 to 1985, eight seasons on the air, mostly on NBC, but also it made the rare jump. To another network, it ended up on, on uh NBC. Wait, mostly on NBC, and then it ended up on ABC for the last year of its existence. Of course, the stars, so many stars on this show, but it was focused around child star Gary Coleman and his TV brother Todd Bridges. They played Arnold and Willis Jackson, two black kids from Harlem who are taken in by a rich white. Park Avenue, Businessman,
2: there, there and Widower. There were a lot of shows, I guess, starting with the Brady Bunch, or maybe, I don't even know if they're earlier than that. Yes. A lot of shows hinged on parents dying.
3: Yeah, it's well, it's kind of like every Disney movie. The mom right. dies, and that really gets things going. Right.
2: Somebody has to die. Uh,
0: and, yeah, so this, this was are, one of those. Part
2: over it. Yeah, they didn't seem too bummed. Brady Bunch never cared about their, their dead parent. And
3: never mentioned these
2: kids, their their parents died and they're like, All right, at least we're rich now. Fuck them. Like they never once looked. Yeah.
3: Like, like our mom was the maid <laughs> and now we get to live here. She used to clean these toilets and now we get to use them. So uh, yeah, this is the, of course they move in with businessman and widower, Philip Drummond played by the iconic Conrad Bain, fresh off a stint on mod uh, and his daughter, Kimberly played by the iconic bangs of Dana Plato uh RIP um so yeah the, the mom worked for this rich family they lived in a penthouse on Park Avenue uh, they got to move in um the series made stars out of child actors Gary Coleman, Todd Bridges who we mentioned and Dana Plato and became known for the quote very special episodes, one of which we are here to discuss today, in which serious issues such as racism, illegal drug use, hitchhiking, kidnapping, and child sex abuse were dramatically explored. That's what we're talking and about today, of course. Wouldn't, the you
1: guys, um, yes. wouldn't you guys agree, though, that, I mean, six years with NBC, that everyone back then kept throwing around this term that when they moved to ABC, that the show had jumped the Gordon
2: all right, Jason. Um, wow. Well, anyway, uh, this this episode was it was is it eighty three? So this was as
3: eighty three season six. So the
2: thing with this show, it all or season five. It, it all hinged on the premise that Gary Coleman, the actor, he had what some sort of growth problem. He had kidney problems, but there was growth involved. So he was yeah. he looked younger, so he could be like super precocious and look real small. Like he was four years old when he's really eight or whatever. And right. That's exactly but, right. Well, what happened is they had to progress him. And so this was probably the last of him really like last season of him kind of playing a kid. Then they tried to have him go to high school and it was weird. And so then they added the worst sitcom character of all time. Danny Cooksey,
3: Danny Cooksey. Yeah, that's
2: right. It went from
1: like, it went from adorable, cuddly and cute. Um, to just like yeah, a weird short high school, angry seeming, and the and the jokes were as unfunny as they were earlier on, but it, they seemed to be funny when they were cute and right. Broadway.
3: He so in in this episode, it's mentioned that he's gonna be twelve because he's gonna get the bike for his twelfth birthday. So he's eleven in the episode. And but in, in real life, he's born nineteen sixty eight, so that would make him f- actually fifteen. Right, and that's a that's a tough part of life. I mean, that's not that's only four years difference, but a fifteen year old pretending to be eleven on TV. I mean, that couldn't have felt too no. good.
2: Now he seemed angry playing the role.
3: He really did. Well, being unnaturally small is one of the. I mean, there's, there's a name for it. There's a complex that arises out of it, the Napoleon complex. And I, 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 feel like Gary may have been afflicted. Um, a little bit about the, a little more about the show in pre-production. The original proposed title for the show was 45 minutes from Harlem. And I maintain, and I, I feel, I feel like you've quarreled with me this, with me on this, Ed, that the, And I only realized this recently, similarly to how I just maybe a couple years ago, and I I had the revelation on this show, realized that Bosom Buddies was actually a double entendre. Mm. Like, I didn't get – You didn't get the tip part? No, I didn't. I just thought they were close friends. (laughs) I didn't realize that it was because they had bosoms. Similarly, diff – it's not different. It's diff rent. So it's diff apostrophe rent. And I maintain that's that's short for parents that they have diff rents, different parents because they go from having the dead mom to the new dad. Do you, do you still quarrel with that, Ed?
2: I just thought it's it's trying to talk about they're from Harlem and so they've got a little bit of a street, yeah, street. Oh, that's what really?
1: Pronunciation. That's, that's how I would take it. I think they're they're trying to appeal to the urban uh,
2: viewers at that. I don't point. think that's interesting. A little bit, it's, it's a little bit cool. Yeah, I don't think they were the, referring to rents. Like, I feel like in the 90s, people started doing that. And it was a lot like, of yeah, pe-
3: People idea. call their pe- people, like in college, like, hey, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Rents. Going home to the rents. Yeah, that, like, that's not, that wasn't a thing on different strokes. Like a you don't thing think? with
2: Brendan Walsh. <sighs> like, that wasn't, that wasn't different strokes times.
3: Right. Right. Okay. Um, the series was uh, originally devised as a joint vehicle for mod co star Conrad Bain.
2: Already ready. child
3: actor. <laughs> Child actor Gary Coleman, who had caught producers' attentions after appearing in a number of commercials. Ha, imagine,
0: like, people were
3: doing so much cocaine in the 1980s that they're like, you know what we gotta do? You know what's gonna just make us rich? We gotta come up with a way to put Conrad Bain on TV <laughs> for 30 minutes every week. Right. Like, he, this, here's the, f- it's not
2: just like his looks, like he was a very weak actor. He was he was not great. He was not a good actor.
3: Not not handsome. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. By yes.
1: the way, speaking of dead parents, did we ever get around to explaining what happened to Conrad's wife?
3: No, I don't. Th- I don't think. Well, it probably was discussed, but I, yeah. I certainly don't remember. Ed, Ed Daly, you might. Know. I don't.
2: I don't think so. I think it was like Kimberly just didn't ever seem to care about not having a mom, right? And then. Kimberly had so much money, she didn't... Right, money replaced parents on that show. Nobody once thought about parents.
3: I'm reading the Wikipedia, and there is no mention
2: of She must have died, like, long before the the Jackson mom died.
3: Yeah, they never really give a heads up as to what happened to old Conrad's, uh, Mr. Drummond's wife. Um, So we we got the lay of the land from the show everyone remembers the show i seem to remember i felt like it was a friday night show but i'm looking here it definitely was a weekend show right it, yeah so it was in and it it bounced around a lot in in the first season it was on friday nights and then but i was just a wee lad then i mean i i'm sure i was watching it um and then it moved to wednesdays for the second two seasons thursdays the prime thursday time slot nine o'clock on thursdays in its fourth season and then it moved to saturday for the the most of the rest of its run until it moved to abc in its last season when it was on fridays again so yeah it feels like a weekend show that's for sure
1: and there was uh, a the the thing about this sitcom too that and in, in case there are listeners who don't know the show it came with one of the uh the best catchphrases of the 80s and it became such a part of the show that the writers were obligated and forced to work it into every single episode. Right. Even That's one right. that revolves around me. child molestation. Yeah. It's he in had, there. He, he had to deliver the line here, but once he said it, everyone went nuts. They went laugh track like, to the 10th decibel, yeah. and it was the most uproarious, coolest thing ever.
3: Uh, honestly, how starved— for entertainment, were we? That that's because I think he even started doing commercials with his catchphrase in the commercials, and it's just such a dumb, unfunny catchphrase. Even from a little kid, uh, I don't think that I could have been amused by it more. That after more than one or two. Ob- observations and yet they did it on every episode over eight seasons it was like it was on t-shirts it was a whole it still is it's probably a meme anybody that's into memes online i'm sure that there's tons of uh, arnold drummond arnold jackson um what you talking about willis memes and it's just it's just a sad state of affairs it's just really upsetting that this is what we were forced to endure as children when there was no internet would you guys I, agree
1: I I have to correct you though. Yep. Just like the just like the different strokes. Yes, I don't think it's what you're talking about, Willis. Oh, it's sorry. What you what you talking about, Willis? No, that's right. That's right. That's Apostrophe. My, about. my mistake.
3: My, my, my mistake. Hey, uh, while we're a, while we're on, on the subject
2: part. of sitcoms, and this won't be breaking by the time we uh, we get it, I just got a R.I.P. Alan Thicke. Whoa. Alan Thick died. Sixty-nine years old.
3: Sixty-nine. Wow.
2: Yeah. Just broke.
3: Uh, Alan Thick wrote the iconic theme yes. song. Two different strokes.
2: Exactly. I don't know. Yeah, that. of course he, he wrote a few different ones. Oh, oh, I didn't know that.
3: Breaking news. Not very old. Canadian sitcom star Copsman. Coxman died in hospital after falling unconscious while playing tennis.
1: I think the maybe the biggest question here is what is this going to do to Robin Thicke's schedule of crushing model ass?
3: Yeah, I don't – I mean I don't think it's going to slow down at all uh, to be honest. And
2: I think one of Alan Thicke's last working jobs was working with my buddy Craigslist, the threesome guy who
3: oh, – Yes. <laughs> well, I. I mean – Alan Thicke would seem like he lived the Hollywood lifestyle. He enjoyed the pleasures of fame. That would not surprise me. Yeah. That's a Um, big one. Yeah, R.I.P. Very sad. Very, very very unfortunate to hear. Um, Yeah. He wrote the theme song to Different Strokes. And again, the different strokes came to be known. I, I do remember the, uh, for its very special episodes, I, I certainly remember the Nancy Reagan one. She was such a bummer. Yeah, that was a huge bummer um, of an episode. Yes. Um, and then this, it mentions here on the Wikipedia page um, another a- episode involved a con artist posing as a relative of Arnold and Willis in an attempt to get access to the inheritance they you know were left that, by a former neighbor. You know
2: who the con artist was? It was Grady from, oh. uh, from uh, Sanford and Son.
3: Oh, I love Green. Yeah, that
2: was the that was the guy yes. pretending to be his uncle.
3: Yeah, Whitman Mayo, absolutely, unbelievable. Yeah, uh, I remember. I remember that episode. I feel like that was very much a um a running ep- a style of episode that they would do on eighty sitcoms. The con artist family member would show up. Um, they weren't the only ones to pull that one, but of course, we're concerned with a two part episode that guest star. Yes
1: by the way, didn't Mr. T. didn't he also do a special episode? Wasn't there like a fitness episode, or am I thinking about
2: a different?: I situation? think that might no, have been I think Gooch, he did. But that might have been Gooch related:
3: Oh yeah, bully, a bully-related episode.
2: That's right. and
1: was uh, what Mr. T also had a catchphrase?
3: Yeah, that's right. Uh, y- yeah, he did.:
1: Do you guys remember?
3: Of course I do. What is Mr. T's catchphrase? I can't recall.
1: <laughs> no, I, I threw it out at you guys to see if you knew. It. Oh. And he called people sucker?
3: No, he said, "I pity the fool." I pity, I pity the fool. <laughs> I, <pity> the- <laughs> I pity the fool. Mr. T, Mr. T was a bouncer that won a bouncing competition. And that's how he got, they, apparently they were so starved for entertainment in the eighties that they would televise bouncing competitions, which I don't even know what he just grab people by the arm and tell them to leave. Uh, and he won a bouncing competition and that's how he became famous, which is shocking because I think in real life, Mr. T is like five three. Yes. He's Jason. Have you met him? Have you you, you hobnob? No, I, and, I've
1: never seen him personally. You, but if if he's consistent with ninety percent of yes. the actors in Hollywood, he's five three, and he was a symbol of strength.
3: Yes, he was. He was. He was the world's biggest badass, and he's like between five three and five five.
2: Well, just think about this show. Conrad Bain on the show looks like a tall drink of water. He was like five nine or ten. Oh no! That's that's shocking. Yeah. He's not a tall drink of water. He's just an average size guy, but everyone else was Lilliputian on that show. Well, that's, yeah, that.
1: I think that's why. I mean, I think Arnold made everyone look big. I remember hearing a lot of testimonials from prison uh, when they were saying they thought Todd Bridges was a lot taller.
3: Oh, really? <laughs> prison testimonials of Todd Bridges. <laughs> he does look tall on the show, though. Uh, okay, so this. What are your before we get into it, do you guys have specific memories of this episode? Like, what was it um, what you expected when you got back into it, or were you totally shocked? I know we touched on this already, Ed. Well,
2: the, the one thing that I kind of remember as a kid was it was like a slow play, and you realize, yeah. like, late into the game, that, oh, this guy's up to no good. But right. rewatching yeah. it, and seeing the mannerisms and everything going on, you realize something's no good, like, a minute into the show.
3: Yeah, that's 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 actually a really good takeaway. I didn't realize, I didn't recall that it was a two-parter until I rewatched it just before we went to air. And uh I I thought the same thing. I'm like, "Oh, this is a two-parter." I go, "So the whole first one is going to be the the grooming period. Right. Earning, where earning they, trust. where they Yeah, where it's, "Hey, this is a safe space. Like you come into this bike shop and you're going to get candy. We're all cool." And actually No, it was, if the, if it was two hours, if each episode's 24 minutes, 48 minutes total, I I would say, um, he spent three and a half quarters of that basketball game trying to get these guys to do do unfortunate things as children. Uh, Jason Stewart, your thoughts, what, what did you, what preconceived notions did you have coming into rewatching this episode? Different strokes.
1: I had like, I had compartmentalized this and way back in the, in the, uh, far reaches of my mind. When they walked into the to the bike shop when uh, Drummond and Arnold and the family walk in, I vaguely remembered the episode. But when I went back to uh, rewatch it, I I would say this it uh you you need to go online and watch it because the first like thirty seconds is the actor, uh the mod actor that you keep
3: saying, Conrad Bain
1: giving us this a uh, warning of, you know, this is a special episode and we want you to talk about it amongst your family afterwards. And I must say, in the modern day right now, that got my attention. I, I said, I, I, I need to pay attention. And also, uh, that kind
2: of information coming from a creepy guy makes it especially yes. interesting.
3: Well, that comb over has always been so disturbing. Like somebody really needed to reach out early. Like this is pre Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis came along and he started going bald. And you know what? He's like, "Fuck it, I'm just shaving my head." And all of a sudden, dudes were like, "Oh, I could just shave my fucking head." This Conrad Bain, he was pre Bruce Willis, so he was just holding on. He had that thing like feathered around, long on the sides. It was, like Wigs. It was yes, it was <laughs> really, really. Off putting.
1: But think about think about uh that space and time. I don't know. I was uh eleven, ten, eleven years old, and you just wanna sit down and you wanna watch something and you wanna hear what you talking about, Willis, and then you tune in and it's like, Hi, I'm Conrad Bain.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean that that had to be a little bit uh discomforting.
3: It, yes, it was a little, and I and I will say this: I do not recall. No, my parents did not heed Conrad Bain's advice. They did not pull me aside after an episode of different strokes and be like, "Hey, you just don't let any bike men jack you off or anything." Yeah, all right? They just they never brought it up at all. I,
2: I mean, when when my gym teacher was was getting real creepy with me, I tried to tell my mom. She's like, "Oh, come on." Yeah. <laughs> all right, mom. Yes. Thanks, thanks for the assist. <laughs> Hope you're dead, Mister uh, Measley. Hope you're dead.
3: It's so true. <laughs> uh, okay, so the episode begins. It's a family bike ride, and uh, uh, and Mister D and Kimberly in very snazzy, not matched but similar velour tracksuits.
2: Yeah, that track. That goes biking together. Does cocaine together. Apparently, with that, yeah. everyone looks <laughs> yes, like they're in a huh. drug scene.
3: Yes, they're they're rocking track suits, and they c- come into the bike shop to return their rented bikes. And they show up, and they sh- the red flag should have gone off right away because there's bike shop owner Gordon Jump, and what's he doing? Juggling.
2: Juggling. <laughs> yeah
3: red flag
2: and also this this place must be a front a bike shop right by central park that's kind of weird right a bike rental shop but like a full proper it's not like this guy was renting bikes in the park like one of those deals like this he had a proper storefront and he's got a bike shop with like seven bikes and one of them he's already selling for a third off the price
3: yeah, it's it's a little Something's odd. Off. He's get he's he's giving away free radios. Yeah,
2: who's who's like, the, the the clientele? Like maybe he could sell early eighties sells to what the Kramer versus Kramer kid, Brewster's Millions might have come through there. That's about it. Yeah. Who are his customers?
3: <laughs> very very weak. Well, the, yeah. the
1: the thing is, he enticed Arnold by saying that if you um, give out these flyers, I'll throw in a free radio. What was preventing Arnold from just going around the corner and putting those flyers in the dumpster? Was, was there some promise of having a certain number of kids respond to it? Th-
3: this is yeah. There was no. Um, there was nothing tied in. There was no bonus for return. There was no ROI. Is the word the phrase I'm looking for uh, on the on the uh, flyers? I would. I will tell a personal anecdote. There used to be a donut shop in my neighborhood that would give me and my bros flyers Mm -hmm. and they'd say, hey, go hand out all these flyers on like a Sunday. They'd go, go hand out all these flyers for our dumb donut shop and when you come back, we'll give you a free dozen. And then we would go throw all the Flyers. flyers in it, some trash can somewhere, or probably not even in the trash can because this was back when littering was okay. We'd probably weaponize them somehow. And then we would go f- fuck around for an hour or so and then come back and we would get our free donuts. And this, I, it's shocking to me that Arnold was not able to pull this off. In fact, he was like trying to, trying to sell people bikes instead of just handing them flyers. Yeah, he
2: was the world's yeah, worst. He, was, he couldn't even, he, he couldn't even give yes. away flyers. He was terrible no. at it. He was really
3: terrible. But let's go um, back to thi- the
2: first scene where they hit yes. every joke. Like in that first interaction with Mr. Horton, they're like they get made the drumming is old joke. Yep. Where he's talking about, oh muscles hurt that I didn't know were there. Arnold's too short. The family's <laughs> so rich so the chauffeur should pedal the uh, bike build for two. They were like Every joke, they're like, all right, we're about to hit you with some heavy shit. Let's just get every joke out of the
3: way. Yeah, w- Willis even drops a winos. He's like, I saw all the scenery even had to bunny hop over a few winos. Like, when was the last time you heard a, heard a homeless person called a wino?
1: <laughs> and you got, the, you got the impression that they wanted to, uh, in like 90 seconds, show how funny and lovable the uh, – the you know the eventual uh, antagonist. antagonists right. Like they, they wanted to like show just how funny and quick on his feet he was, and how you know ingratiating he was right away. And like like most eighties sitcoms did, they just went over the top, and it was too much.
2: Just think about back to the juggling thing. If you ever went into a store to buy something, and a guy comes out juggling and like giving you vaudeville music, I'd be like, all right, this is gonna be a lot of work. Let's just go. Let's find another place. I'm not putting up with a juggling guy.
3: No, totally. Also, he did a thing that was – or that they were doing constant innuendos straight from the beginning. So Mr. Carlson – I can't remember what his name is. It's not Mr. Carlson was his name. Mr. Horton, he, yeah, Mr. he was Mr. Carlson on WKRP. Uh, he's like, hey, Arnold, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And Arnold is like, you keep coming up with these presents, you can scratch me all over. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I almost had to stop the episode right there. That was so disturbing. Oh, thanks,
0: Mr. Horton.
4: <laughs> I got a terrific idea, Arnold. What's the old saying? You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours.
0: You keep coming up with this present, you could scratch me all
2: over. And the other thing is he keeps putting his arm around him. So much touching. If somebody just starts touching your kid, you'd be like, hey, buddy, lay the fuck off my kid. He's, he immediately puts his arm around. Him. He's like, hey, what can I talk you into this one third off bike?
3: Yeah, he, w- he, g- he was giving Mr. D the hard sell straight away. I, I would have been out of that place.
1: That's the thing if – if I mean I'd hate to get into the mind of these disturbing losers, but I'm thinking if I'm a pedophile and I hear that response to my uh, back-scratching yeah. joke, I'm thinking that joke could not have gone any better.
3: <laughs> yeah, this – it's kind of like one of your Tinder interactions, Jay Stu. When you drop one of your zingers, when you drop one of your Gordon Jump zingers – on the first interaction, and they come back with an LOL or the or the laugh, the crying, laughing emoji. You're like, oh, I'm in. I'm gonna slay this chick on Friday night. Yeah, uh, good analysis there. Um, <clears throat> so Arnold goes, and so that they leave the bike shop. They've made a deal that Arnold's going to get that s- sick red BMX for his birthday. He's pretty excited about it. Um and th- but then he's off to hand out the flyers so he can get his radio. Um one of the they never shot anything outside. They couldn't do any outdoor scenes back there back then. So uh, everything was shot on a set which was always very awkward to watch I thought cuz you're like they're not he's not really outside when he was at school handing out flyers.
2: Right? It yeah, had like sh- Weird shadows that wouldn't appear outside.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, and then and then um, a little force. Yes, go the ahead. The other
2: thing that this episode establishes is Arnold is a huge loser.
3: Oh yeah, from from yes.
2: the flyer handout to the fact that Mister Horton really he's a distant second choice.
3: Oh yes, no he doesn't. He doesn't even ask him to take a shirt off.
2: No, he doesn't want to see him without a shirt off.
3: Um. So yeah, the-
2: and the the cool yeah. thing
1: the cool thing about uh, Arnold. Um, is that him as an actor, Gary Coleman, he didn't overact at all. He didn't no. get overly dejected or down after one person
2: turned him down for
1: the. No, same. he
3: underplayed it. Right? Yeah, he soft-played subtle. it. That, that was his skill.:
2: He was, he was very underst- he had understated yeah. elegance.
3: Totally. Agree with that. Um, so then they, they bounce out, then um, Arnold brings Dudley. To the shop. no, I think Arnold just goes by himself. He rolls into the bike shop, and we get a little foreshadowing. As Arnold walks in, Gordon Jump, Mr. Horton, is walking another kid out, one of his victims, and he's giving him some candy, and he tells him, hey, don't tell your parents about this. It'll be <laughs> our little secret. I
4: tell you, folks, I gave you all that candy. As a matter of fact, why don't you just make it our little secret? Even here. Huh? Get that.
2: Boy. And this this might be a good time to, to point out that um maybe the Canned Laughed guy could have taken the week off. Because there were a lot of like hearty laughs yes. when real weird shit was going on. And I remember the scene where the guy's escorting him out. Like immediately there's like Huge laughter.
3: Yeah, very, very awkward, very uncomfortable. But I mean, uh,
2: so, so think about
1: this. The obviously they choose to use the laugh track in this episode, and they choose to use the humor that the that the viewers were used to. But it's really strange. You're right. Like when they when they chose to do the laugh track for for the pedophiles jokes. Yes. It's yeah. like are they? <laughs> right. are what they are they saying? saying? Are they trying to fool you? Into into believing that he's a good guy? That's a great point. It's just disturbing to think back that they added laughter with the way
2: he was seducing eight-year-olds.
3: I do. That is a good point.
2: We got this show about kid fucking. (laughs) What we need is more laughs and like belly laughs.
3: I do recall though being sort of shocked as a child when Mr. Horton took a turn and maybe that was it maybe they had fooled me with the laugh track and the juggling and I, you know i was i was simple at that time i wasn't wise to the ways of the world um and maybe that's what they were trying to show i do like that the that throughout this episode the innuendos continue and they just come left and right including in this scene when arnold tells mr horton i have a way with words especially when i put my mouth to it
0: like you said, and I'm back for another load. That
4: is great, Arnold.
1: You're sure some terrific passer out
0: of (laughs) it. I have a way with words when I put my mouth to it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then there was
3: belly
1: laughs for that. That is very racy for 83.
3: (laughs) I'll say. Uh, So it's at this point that um, Mr. Horton offers, does, does the, does the classic, pedophile play of offering some sort of treat, some sort of enticement to a child. In this case, it's banana splits. And this is, this is when we find that Mr. Horton lives in the back of the bike shop. There's an apartment behind the showroom i don't know how he gets the bike. usually the bikes come in through the back there's got to be like some kind of workshop or warehouse area not in this case he's converted his to a pedophile sex layer behind the bike shop that was a little shocking no yeah <laughs> most
2: disturbing of all is his little home that he's carved out for himself He's got these giant wooden hearts hanging on the uh, wall next to the kid next to the refrigerator. Oh, that's huge hearts. Oh, it was very weird. That's not a, like, yes. He
1: Whoever what did the set for this episode um really embraced the pro children's seduction angles. They put the video <laughs> game in there, yeah. the board game. The set dresser. Yeah. They're yeah. like, hey. The fun part that kid? you could jump on the cookies for days like they really really amped up the child friendly I mean again 80s sitcoms were known for their subtlety they didn't they didn't hitch over the head with anything
3: yeah and speaking of subtlety uh, as Mr. Horton is making the the banana splits, the innuendos just keep on coming. He tells Arnold at one point, I bet you're a whipped cream man. And <laughs> Ar- Arnold's like, my tongue is faster than a hummingbird's wings. And then they, they, they have a real laugh about Arnold getting a cherry on top. And just the whole thing is just so, so disturbing in retrospect. And then, then at the end, they have, this is where he's been groomed and you could tell that, uh, Mr. Horton's got his hooks in because they announce to each other that they like each other. And then I really like you. Yeah. I I really really like you. Throws his arm around his, his shoulder and he's like, I like you too. And they're, they're really buddies. And then he does the classic pedophile move where he's like, Hey, by the way, you know, don't tell your old man that I gave you ice cream and he drops the classic. This'll be our little secret line. That is the that is the tell, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And there was a, sure. a and I think this was supposed to be one of the talking points for when you got together with your family afterwards. Yeah. It's it's not just don't tell your parents, you know, it's it's our secret because you'll get in trouble. But if it's revealed that I let you back here and fed you ice cream, I will get in trouble. So they. That's right. He he, he doubled down on the guilt. And I think that second part is what really gets kids. You know, they might be less concerned about themselves and more concerned about getting the adult in trouble.
3: Yeah. I'm nice to you. I'm a good guy. Don't, you know, you return the favor, buddy. You be good to me in return. Uh, Okay. So then they. They leave the, he, the scene ends there and Arnold goes back to the, oh, during the scene, he sets up the fact that, hey, my buddy um, Dudley wants in on some of this handing out flyers gimmick. He wants a radio for his bike too, which of course really pleases Mr. Horton because that's his whole intention. You, you see what they do is they send one out to bring more back. That's, that's the move. He's got. Give one kid a taste. Yeah, he's laid the bait. Is what he's done. Um, And so then Arnold heads back home, and the the lying begins. He's not suddenly he's not hungry like he normally is. Um he's not you know, he's had a banana split. The dad wants to know where he's been, he makes up a lie that he was at the pet shop. Like none of it was very believable. And this right. this this Mr. Drummond, he this guy was not, not very it, observant. No, he was not exactly Columbo. Like he was he was not doing a proper <laughs> investigation of his kid, right?
2: He says it's almost dinner, so that means Arnold shows up hours. Three hours late from two, three hours late from school. Yep and he's got real shaky lie and this is new york in 1983 this is like bernard Goetz shooting people on the subway right, yes. territory like he's just wandering but yet he had his reservations earlier in the episode they're like i don't know i don't want you riding your bike in central park but like yet he shows up 3 hours late like they've got chauffeurs everywhere and it's it's fine if it takes him 3 hours to walk home from school
3: yeah, ve- very awkward. And then he says, "I was at Dudley's," and then and then he's like, "Oh, that's weird," because Dudley's called and said he was coming over, and it was just so obvious that he was lying. And this Mister Drummond just gets totally played for a fool. Um, eventually, eventually, yes. How about
1: this angle? I think the whole sit down with your family afterwards was supposed to like teach the kids of, to be aware and to, to pick up on signals. How about Drummond's character in this show teaching parents to be attentive
2: and more concerned about their kids?
3: Absolutely, concur. And,
2: and we, we we have to shame Dudley a little bit because it was dinner time and he's just popping in, like just popping in. It's no big deal. So rude! So if one of my son's crummy friends decides to show up at dinner time. It's like, all right, off you so, go, yeah, of I Daddy.
3: I didn't pull out an extra pork chop for you, Dudley. You know, <laughs> like give give me some Scram. notice at least, yeah. Hit the bricks. Uh, there was another, I did not note that there was another um, awkward innuendo when Arnold is talking up how much fun he had at the bike shop. He tells Dudley, I had bananas coming out of my ears.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was a tough one.
3: Um, so eventually, he, uh, Arnold brings, uh, brings Dudley to the bike shop, and they show up in Slickers, which I found to be a little off-putting. And knowing what, what we, what's what's with the headgear arnold's wearing yes no, yeah his face his face he doesn't have like a just a hat or anything on or a hood he's got he's got like a it looks like he's about to go um, scuba diving or something he's got a, a, a slicker hat that only his face fits through what is it goes around yeah. his chin
2: he might be one of those uh, uh, on the spot weather reporters like in the middle of a hurricane? Yes. Like that's the only time maybe, maybe that headgear works. Yes.
3: It seemed a little over the top for a, a springtime sprinkle in the central park area of Manhattan. Uh, and then and was, so.
1: Wasn't, uh, didn't he go back or wasn't he enticed to go back to the store because um, the bicycle man said that he could take the bike out without.
3: Oh, that's right.
1: Permission, right?
3: Yes. That's yes. right. You
2: can just go for rides.
3: That that was their little secret. He's like, I got a way to get you the bike early. Just swing by, ride the bike around before your birthday, and just we won't tell your dad. That was part of the grooming
0: process. Good point. Right. They did, com- they did complain about lack of space. Now he's got that huge waste of
2: space entryway. <laughs> like well, there was no space for a fucking kid's bicycle?
3: Well, he's not just going to put the fucking bike in the front of – in the foyer of his baller-ass penthouse.
2: But if that's the size of the foyer –
3: He's there's got, gotta yeah. be
2: plenty of space elsewhere. Well
3: Willis Willis alerts that hey, we can keep it down in the garage. He's got a garage for his limousine and his cars and whatnot. So yeah, there is there's something down below the building where he he can keep items, that's for sure. And yeah, he could have just paid he could have just said, hey, how about I just pay for it now, we'll, and you hang on to it here at the store? Put one of those little sold signs on it that they used to do back in the day, and I'll swing by around birthday time and pick it up. Like, what if somebody else wanted to buy it? What you know, this Mister Horton—he's you know—I don't think he's got really huge margins at the bike shop. Like, what if this uh, what if this Conrad Bain changes his mind? Somebody else comes looking for that bike, he's going to sell it to him, right? It's it's already thirty percent off, so he's looking to make a deal.
2: And he's only got like six bikes in the store.
3: Hardly any inventory. I, mean,
2: the old, I think
1: the old uh, the old saying is "child molesters need to eat too."
3: <laughs> I've heard that. I've, I've heard that, Jason. Uh, okay. Um, so okay, he's brought Dudley over. the, the grooming begins. Um, well, when
2: he's when he he has got that peephole, so when he sees them out yeah. there. Yes, he dresses the apartment. He sets it up.
3: That's right. And what's what's he put out? What is the one item he puts out, hoping for them to find as bait? Ed,
2: uh, copies of cutie magazine.
3: Yeah, a porno mag. He just leaves. It, it's a porno
2: mag. But I googled to see if there really was a cutie magazine, and yeah. shockingly enough. It's a Japanese teen fashion magazine, cutie.
3: <laughs> yeah, but this this one it had like the right. it had like the tits covered up on the front. Like they, they were right. they were letting you know it was like it was like a Jugs or a Swank.
2: Yeah, it was not it was not high end. It was and low he, end yeah. porn. And he put it in with the
1: comic books. Just he he put it like this second or third down with the comics.
3: Club International. Uh, we did I say we already? About, how about barely legal? Barely legal just trying to think of different monomag names right now uh yeah He's so he he lays it on the table with the comic books knowing the kids are going to come in and they're going to be like hey what's batman up to oh what's happening over here and that's exactly what happened right
2: yeah but he and also he entices them with food
3: yeah there's there's and yes
2: here here's they they're coming after school right so timing even if they live even if their school's pretty close to here. it's about a three three fifteen, three twenty yeah. in the afternoon they That's show right. up and he's got a pizza in the oven. Yeah. Now that this either means that the guy is a psychopath that just cooks pizzas at mid afternoon without even knowing that the kids are gonna be there, or he's got such a steady train of kids. <laughs> That's true.
3: That's true. What's and what's up with the frozen pizzas? Like it's New York City. You could get a slice on every single corner. Just like run down to the corner and get a proper pie, Gordon. Right. Cheap yeah, bastard. Good,
2: pretty bad move.
3: Uh but then uh speaking of innuendos, they're they're in the bike shop and uh I think um, uh Arnold's like, Oh, you got something cooking in there? And to which uh Mr. Horton responds, You got a great smeller, feller.
2: Yeah, that was a deuce chill moment.
3: Whew, just really, really disturbing. So yeah, they're hanging out, waiting for their slices of pie to come out. He's clearly grooming them. And um, Dudley happens upon the porno mag, and he is hooked. Like the, the the bait, the hook is in. He's taking the bait. The hook is in and set. And Gordon jumps starts to reel. And what is he call reel.
2: the women? The ladies are... Naked. N- naked. <laughs>
3: Yes, yes. I think that might have been my first introduction to the urban pronunciation of naked.
2: Same, same.
3: I don't don't think that's probably the first time I'd ever heard that. Um, Yeah, so then they're like checking out the mags, and this is where it gets really creepy. Um, But also
2: keep in mind, throughout this whole time, there's tons of canned laughter. We still haven't (laughs) gotten a gasp. We haven't gotten anything, just laughs the whole time.
3: Yeah, uh, th- that's definitely the case. Um, then he starts saying real creepy stuff, like Arnold's a little off-put. Like, Arnold's the one that's got a little more sense in his head. Yeah, he's taking little sips of wine, as is Dudley, uh, but he's Dudley's all in on the wine. D- Dudley's all in on the porno mag. Dudley's all in on the wine. Like... Dud- Dudley is the perfect victim, really. It's Arnold that's there to kind of be like, oh, you know, I don't think I'm ready. To- I'm 11. I don't think I'm ready to look at titties in a magazine. Like, this is freaking me out. They're freaked out by the nakedness. And, and then uh, Mr. Horton comes over and says, there's nothing wrong with being naked. Very disturbing.
2: The human body is a work of art, he said. Yeah, you, can-,
3: like you can have an awful lot of fun with your clothes off. I mean, I, w- I would have been run for the door at any age.
1: You have to I think we have to kind of go into the um, the family situation with Dudley. like what makes him so vulnerable? What makes him such a perfect target for the bicycle man? I'm guessing that the old man with the outrageous overbite,
3: um, oh, I,
2: oh. his dad. His dad looks like former Boston College basketball coach Al Skinner. You are
3: ju- <laughs> you are jumping way ahead. You're like no, no. I'm just saying get,
2: that I, get- I, I'm trying to go
1: uh, background with Dudley. There's something <laughs> it, it, with his family uh, situation that makes him vulnerable. Whether it's the mother's not, maybe the mother uh, died, just like all these other parents of sitcom folks. Or maybe the overbite guy is a little uh, n- neglective at home.
0: That's um, his dad,
3: Wesley. That makes
1: Dudley vulnerable.
3: I don't, now, we- I don't think Dudley's dad's orthodontia has anything to do with him being a better or worse <laughs> victim for a pedophile.
1: No, they say yeah, they say that pe- guy, people with overbites are not
2: good parents. <laughs>
3: Uh, so we, oh, so we—oh, yes. So, so with yes. an
2: underbite, you're a super parent, like Sigourney Weaver's the
3: greatest parent <laughs> on earth. <laughs> does Sigourney Weaver have an underbite? Yes, yes, oh does. my does. Unbelievable. Um, then, but this—we yes.
2: finally get to the first groan from the audience.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: that's that's when he wants to show off his personal pictures. <laughs> Skinny dipping. Skinny dipping. <laughs> and by the way, it's it would be more disturbing. You know how old Mr. Horton was?
3: Uh well, every he looks about 65, but it was the 80s when everybody lived real hard, so I will say he was 52.
2: <laughs> yeah, he was he was only 50 or 51.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, he he shows the guys skinny dipping pictures, he busts out a little bit of wine. Uh things are really really ramping up. I wonder if the if this is where uh, Michael Jackson got the cue to substitute wine for Diet Pepsi and call it Jesus Juice. Like maybe, th- maybe this is where he learned a bit of his trade. Um, then he's, if, as if he hasn't creeped everybody out enough, he decides, "Let's play a little game. You guys like taking pictures? You guys want to play Tarzan?"
2: Yeah, this is this is another slap in the face with Arnold. This is where he's like, "Hey, Dudley, why don't you take your shirt off?" Yeah. Arnold, here's this giant safari hat.
3: <laughs> Yo, you, Arnold, put more clothes on. You're not as hot as Dudley.
2: And when they're starting to talk about Dudley's physique with his shirt off, the canned laughter is back. Like it was just the groan for the wine and the skinny dipping. And then yeah. it's like, "Oh yeah, we're back to just a half naked boy. Let's <laughs> let's start <laughs> laughing again."
4: See if I got my trust. Yeah, here's my trusty camera right here. Okay, here we go. What kind of picture should we take? Well, i got a great idea. Let's play Tarzan. I think you would make a terrific Tarzan, Dudley.
0: Ain't no way I'm gonna play Jane. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll make
4: you the fearless leader of the safari. Here you go.
0: Hey, all right. Just call me Moana.
4: <laughs> okay, Moana. Why don't you stand over there in front of that man-eating plant there, huh? All right. And uh, you pretend that uh, Dudley here is saving you from it. Uh, you can do that, can't you, Arnold? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, stay right there. Uh, uh, b- now, pretend like it's got you in your, in, in your cl- in its clutches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's make this more authentic. Tarzan never had a shirt on, Dudley. Dudley, take, take your shirt off. Okay. Uh, let me help you with that, man. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, that's, that's nice. Uh-huh. Ooh, boy. He's got a great physique,
0: huh? I think he's built more like a pipe cleaner than Tarzan. <laughs> Uh, things are they, still
3: hilarious
1: didn't, did they not oversell the reaction of the kids to the uh to taking the pictures like i don't remember at 11 12 years old being so overly amped up about oh my god this is so
3: fun posing
1: for pictures right yeah.
3: <laughs> that's what
2: you dread yeah. the most
3: that was, that was That's a great point. I, there was no game. He's like, let's play a game. I'm going to take pictures of you with your shirt off. Like, <laughs> I, I don't really see an end game to that game. That that's not, doesn't meet my definition of a game.
2: But yeah, we're, we're winding down in part one, and uh, then the super creepy guy starts putting on a super creepy voice when uh, Mr. Horton starts muttering, guys, we are going to have a great time this afternoon.
3: Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun. And he's sipping the wine out of a water glass. Like, you could tell he's like super, if he's not fully tumescent, he's like 80% of the way there. Like, this is, this is he is in his element. He is not overwhelmed by the moment. He's done this before, and he's very excited.
2: Yeah, he's, he's super amped to be continued. I'll
4: tell you what, let's uh, show those muscles, Dudley. Oh, that's good. Fine. Now we're gonna uh, take some pictures, and we're gonna have another little sip of wine, and we're gonna take some more pictures. And uh, so, uh, give me strike a pose for me, there. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what you do. Oh, hey, that's great, guys. Jeez. Guys, we're just gonna have a great time together this afternoon. Huh? All right. Let's see those poses some more. Ah.
3: Yeah. So that's how, that's how episode one ends. We move into episode two. Again, we get the disclaimer from Conrad Bain at the beginning that nobody paid attention to.
4: Conrad Bain. Tonight on Different Strokes, we're showing the concluding half of a special two-part show on a very sensitive and important subject. We urge families, children and parents alike, to watch this informative episode and then discuss the problem presented, which is of deep concern to all of us. Thank you.
3: Um, and then we're back at... we're. We're immediately back in the same scene where we left in episode one. They're still playing Tarzan. Um, Gordon Jump is just ramping up his behavior like no other. There's more wine. He decides to play another game, which is not a game. Let's jump on the bed.
2: No, no, no. First, he says, hey, how about I play a lion?
0: Oh, that's and you, right, And yes. you
2: ride around on my back. And Arnold, here's the fucking camera. Like, you're out of this game. It's me and Dudley.
3: yeah. Yes, he's he doesn't have his sets on sights set on Arnold, or maybe Arnold has just been too wary of his advances and he, he knows that Dudley is a better victim.
1: I think this because, is when this is when it kind of crosses the line. And there have been a couple of items already. You mentioned the innuendo over the top uh language, but like when I saw Dudley get on top of um the very the awkward. bicycle man
3: Mr Horton. So,
1: I was thinking. I don't even know if in 2016, a sitcom could do a special episode with a shirtless kid getting Who on hell? the back of a, no. of a strange man. I don't think they could pull that off in this day and age. No, no, certainly I not. totally
3: agree. Yeah, that was that was very awkward. There was a lot. That, I, I mean, you just couldn't make this show today like you could then. But then, uh, but then yes, before but the then trampoline. Jump on the no, end. no,
2: before that, yeah. he he wants them to call him something. They start acting like the Three Stooges. He's like, "Call me Curly."
3: Oh, that's right. And and then they somehow have a very well practiced, <laughs> choreographed Three Stooges routine. Woo, 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 woo. Like they do it perfectly, almost better than the Stooges, just impromptu, off the cuff. Did that strike anybody as weird?
1: It did. Yeah. It was... And i I remember thinking at the time. I said, "So the writers of this show." Want us to believe that every eleven and twelve year old has a Three Stooges act ready to go? And of course, if you're a child molester, you know how to do that one thing.
3: Yes, exactly. Yes, it's very shocking. Uh, okay, so we're we're done. We, they jump on the bed, and then um, th- this. I can't remember how it ends. Does, uh, does Arnold no, bounce? No,
2: Mr. Drummond shows up in the
3: store. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mr. Drummond, sh- they, there's a, the, the bell rings at the front. Meanwhile, this whole time, Mr. Horton's store is open for business. Somebody might come in to buy one of those three or four bikes that he has for sale out front. <laughs> and meanwhile, he's, in, he's back in his apartment doing a bunch of molesting.
2: Exactly. How could this business stay open on Central Park when he doesn't actually sell anything?
3: Yeah, at, at least like if you know you're going to get down to some serious molesting, just go up front and flip the clothes sign around and yeah. lock the door. Who's going to say anything, right? And what what are the odds that one of your victims' old man shows up? Which is what happened. He looks out of that very creepy peephole of his, and he goes out, and it's it's Mister D there randomly to pay for the bike that he should have just paid for the first time. Like wh- who wants to make an extra trip? Just to flash his credit card, like why didn't you just pay for it when you were there the first time in your velour sweatshirt? And they had to
2: crowbar in a, They had a crowbar in an American Express commercial joke with the "Don't leave home without it." That's right. That
3: great. That was great. That was a that was a belly laugh right there.
2: And if you think about it, this would be this
1: this will be the second of three trips. It was the initial trip to claim the bike. I'm not going to pay you for it, but claim it. Come back. I'll pay. I'll give you a check for it. And then I'll come back at a third time and get the bike. Yeah,
2: are we sure he's trans- actually rich? Crazy. This it's transaction
1: crazy. has so many layers to it. <laughs> and I, I, I will say this. Um, if, if What's his name? Uh, again, 80s subtle writing and, and acting. If I'm a child molester, I have mastered the art of acting like everything's normal. I don't, in the first scene, come out and do jokes and juggling and I'm a laugh a minute. And then all of a sudden, because the parent of the kid that I'm trying to rape in the background is at the door, now all of a sudden he's like understated and he's nervous and distracted. And Drummond's like, is something wrong, Mr. Horton?
3: Well, in his defense, that was weird. He did – he was a full-on dick to Mr. D to try to get him out of the shop. And it was it was – Maybe blame it on the reunite, or uh, you know, it seems like he should have been in a little bit more control. Um, like he would have, have been through a similar situation in all his previous years of molesting. It seemed out of character,
1: and, yeah. and I think, too, before it was even a thing, Drummond was acting as the uh essential cock block in that scene.
3: Yeah, it's true. He really he really broke it up because the two kids run apparently there's a back door at this apartment. They run out the back door, they head home. Arnold gets home and immediately he's just because he's chewing gum, the uh Willis and Kimberly immediately know the jig is up and they can tell he's been drinking wine. Yeah. Did that, didn't that guy well, strike the sweet, you guys as odd?
2: The sweet irony is that the two people that are really Concerned about substance abuse are Dana Plato and Todd Bridges at that time. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's a great point. (laughs) Hey, hey, what are you doing?
3: Uh, Also, at this, is this the point where, um, Dana Plato has just the strangest pirate shirt on. She's got like a, a yes. purple. It's like the pirate shirt from Seinfeld. It's got big puffy shoulders and it's buttoned all the way up to the neck with like a, uh, like a lace collar. And it just just seemed like the oddest day wear for a high school girl. It's
1: troubling. And, and yeah. And usually when you like, obviously her, her school day was over. So you go home and you put, put some casual clothes on. That was her casual wear.
3: Yeah, yeah, very yeah, it was a, it was a strange outfit. Also a lot of um a lot of 80s um commercial vineyard humor involved in this where um, she's like, you smell like blue nun or something. Like they really were, there's like, Hey, you he'll sell no wine before it's time. Like was, has Paul Masson been walking through? Like they had, I'm like, Whoa, Ernest and Julio Gala. Like they had like every single one nailed. Like I, I think just because the writers were like passing those bottles around. Yeah. It was, it was uh, a, it was I, a
2: tough week. They're like, all right, what are we going to do next? And then they're just yes. drinking and looking at the labels. Yeah, here we go. Really <laughs>
3: Uh, uh, so yeah, he's uh, Arnold gets busted, but these idiots, um, the older brother and sister are like, Ah, we're cool with it. Yeah, you're 11 years old and you come home smelling like booze, <laughs> and you say your best friend's dad gave it to you, but no big deal, we won't tell dad, just don't do Instead, it again. We'll try like, to a,
2: cover for you, yes, odd, odd behavior, right? Okay, and then what does Mr. D say when he shows up when he sees Arnold on the steps, like he walks in after.
3: He's like, give me a big old hug. And
2: hugged my kid today. Like, oh, well, calm down yeah. with all the touching, buddy.
3: Yes, that's a really, really just a little too close for comfort. Um, yeah, and so then the next day, what happens after all that's happened? Arnold and Dudley, right back to the bike shop.
2: Yeah, and they're using they're using the nickname Curly again. They're ready to call him yeah, Curly.
3: They're, they're he's he's earned a nickname like he's really engendered trust the children have been well groomed uh but arnold's arnold's starting to see the force for the on. trees right
2: now, now if you're trying to entice someone with food now I, i'm not a big fan of the frozen pizzas but like you get it if you're trying to entice a couple of 11 sure. 12 year olds with pepperoni pizza that's fine now where on the list would boston cream pie rank like Seems like an odd choice to to entice them.
3: Well, I don't know. It's a it's a sweet. I
2: mean, it's I'm not saying it's terrible, but like, would yeah. that be in the top seventy?
3: I thought that I
1: thought the same thing. I thought you know, pudding or Choc- something, chocolate chip cookies,
2: bit, something, something yeah. more,
1: yeah, more uh, tangible to an eleven year old. Boston
2: cream pie is a little too sophisticated. Boston cream pie. What is that?
3: That. It- yeah. Yeah. I would say that. Yeah. Offering the offering of the pie was a, a little weird, but then he's again, he offers them just like the most basic of activities that they think sounds like the most fun in the world. He's like, how about I throw on some cartoons and we eat some pie? And they're all, yeah, they're like, yeah, cartoons. Like let's, let's watch cartoons. And it turns out these are porno cartoons.
2: Yeah. And, uh, Arnold uses the term undershorts. He's, he's not wearing his undershorts!
0: <laughs> hey! The mouse just lost his pants!
2: He's not wearing any undershorts!
3: Oh, Wow! <laughs> Under shorts, um, but uh,
1: as we – by the way, and yeah. I think we keep, we need to keep um, uh, reminding people of this: there are laugh tracks. There's laughter throughout the entire the whole
2: thing. time. We're, we're, the groans were, we're only well into the second episode. The
1: groans
3: were yeah. only yeah. there,
2: there for the uh, for the skinny You're dipping. Still laughter. The skinny dipping is the only groan. Then it's back to laughter.
3: Yeah, it's it's a laugh a minute. The the guffaws are going throughout. But this this um, Dudley is hooked. Cord. Yeah, Yeah,
2: Dudley's way into Murphy the Mouse.
3: He loves, he's loved the wine. He's loved pretty much everything that Mr. Horton's offered up. He's way into the cartoon porn. But finally, Arnold has had enough. He bounces out of there, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and now it's time to move in for the kill. What's the the game that uh, Mr. Horton proposes for Dudley?
3: Yeah, he wants to play King Neptune in the bathtub. Neptune,
2: King of the Sea.
3: Yes, they're like, finally, just the ultimate red flag. Um, So then we get, so Arnold heads back home, or no, Arnold's not home yet. We're back to the apartment. There's a knock at the door. And who happens to be at the door? Dudley's dad with his big, scary jaw and his just awkward appearance. I remember watching this episode and going, how did this guy get a job on TV?
1: Good afternoon, Phil. How are you? Hi, Ted. Come on in. What a nice surprise. Hi, Mr. Hey, hey, Mr.
0: Hey,
1: Hammer. How you doing? Look, I'm, forgive me for barging in on you like this, but I thought it was something we should discuss in person. It's about my son. Well, come on sit down.
2: Have you have you ever seen a more wooden actor? I know, Jason, you've you've worked with a lot of people. It right. he's the most wooden, right? There's ne- there's never been a more wooden actor, right?
1: He he was he was pretty wooden. He he was uh he was pretty laconic. But I will say this, he's distracting. He's a fascinating looking person. Yeah, there's, he is. There's he is. nothing normal about how he looks. You know, like commercial uh, directors look for like the most bland, uninteresting looking people just to kind of uh, fit in. This guy cannot be on a scene without you staring at all the incredible features that he's got going on.
3: He looks like he could be – he looks – he's like the less handsome brother of Ashford from Ashford and Simpson, (laughs) the guy that looks like a lion.
2: (laughs) Well, look – I'm telling you. Look up Al Skinner, Boston College coach. I don't know what happened to him. He looks exactly like Al Skinner. Exactly
3: (laughs) right. Uh, Yes.
2: Oh. Then- which kind of which now that i'm thinking about it skinner
1: and this actor which could be the same guy as far as we know but um he very he strikes a resemblance to the bounty hunter that uh, held up han solo and chewy in the first scene
3: you're talking about bosk star wars <laughs> not bosk it's the oh.
1: other guy with a giant buck teeth i don't even know his name Oh, uh, I, look I think
2: I know
3: who you're talking about. <laughs> I'm I'm not a nerd. I don't Remind know the Star Wars shit. Guy. Uh, one thing I did, I did happen to um, look up this actor, the actor that played because he is he is a striking character. I I looked up the guy that played Dudley's dad, Wesley, um, and his name was Lee. I think it's Lee, just spelled L E. Could be Lay. Oh no, Lay Tari. How how fucking old is this guy, Ed? How old? Are you, would you guess that Le Tari was at this time playing this character?
2: Mm, I mean I'm gonna say double nickel. Fifty-five?
3: Right? Yeah, he doesn't yeah.
2: look that old, but he looks he looks like he's wearing some years. Yeah. Double nickel.
3: He's got he's got a receding hairline. Ed Daly has him at fifty-five. Jason Stewart, what's your guess? Lee Tari's age when he played Wesley's dad on different strokes.
1: I'm way under. I'm way I'm like thirty six.
3: Thirty six Jason no. Stewart Jason Stewart nails it on the head. He was thirty six years old at the time. Wow. Died in nineteen eighty seven at the age of forty. Taken before his time.
2: I I wonder if it was lung cancer, because another very special episode was when Dudley and Arnold were smoking and, and they revealed that Dudley's dad had his lung, lung removed like i recall that episode so That's i wonder exactly. if they were doing like you know true life inspired <laughs> yes. ripped from the headlines stories
3: ripped from the headlines <laughs> wesley dudley's dad uh so he's got he's got a sick leather jacket on um he's looking pretty slick then he does a thing and this happens a lot on sitcoms where there's not really any room on the couch but he just plops down right there in between willis and mr d and it's very awkward like willis should have gotten up and made some room right
2: (laughs) yes but at least in willis's defense of the two parts willis had the only amusing line in the entire thing right right here when they're talking about that they're boozing he said looks like the babies have gone straight from the nipple er, gone from the nipple straight to the ripple
3: Yes, that was the zinger of the show. Absolutely.
2: That was the the zinger of the (laughs) two-parter.
3: A bum wine reference too, by the way. Excellent. That was was at least the fourth wine reference they'd done on the show.
1: And then not even like – yeah, moving over and making room on this small couch thing. I'm also struck by how pretentious and uncomfortable the couch is. It's like over-the-top rich guy couch in a living room. And I, I don't understand that one. Like, you have three kids. Like, it should be all about comfort. Why comfort. do you have show-off um, furniture in your living room yeah. that looks so uncomfortable?
3: It's like a Louis the Fourteenth couch.
2: Yeah. And are we to assume uh, that the, the viewers are watching them from the TV, or do they not have a TV in that room?
3: I, that always drives me crazy. I, I never know what's going on there. Like on Happy Days when they're sitting in the booth, am okay. I looking it, at it from the other side of the restaurant or is that the wall? Is there an, yeah, uh, right, an the invisible wall. wall there? We're looking through the wall, right?
2: I, I would that drives me
3: so. crazy. I never know. Oh, okay. So then they have the talk. They realize this um Wesley – Dudley's dad and Mr. D have a talk, and they realize their kids have been lying to them about who's been given the wine. Everybody's getting wine from their dad, the other guy's dad, but they're not really. They're getting, they realize that's not what's happening. And then Arnold walks in and we, 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 catchphrase alert.
2: Yeah, they're like, hey, we are almost out of time. <laughs> yes. You better deliver it somehow. Yeah.
3: What was Dudley's
0: father doing here?
2: Well, he came to discuss something that I found quite
4: informative.
0: Oh, what's that?
4: You and Dudley hitting the bottle.
0: What you talking about, Dad? <laughs>
2: <laughs> what you talking about, Dad?
3: Yeah, yeah so Mister, <laughs> he drops a what you talking about, and then he spills the entire uh, beans, in, including allowing for the group that Mr. Shorten has, Mr. Horton had shown him, quote, kinky cartoons.
2: Kinky, you know. Standard, fair, mice fucking.
3: <laughs> do, do kids know the word kinky? Do th- kids call things kinky? I don't think uh, so.
2: I'm guessing he, he, Mr. Horton also showed him a John Waters movie or something.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. D decides, hey, he's got to take some action. Shit is going down at the bike shop. He calls the cops. He and the cops show up to the bike shop, to interrogate Mr. Horton. I like, Mr. I like Horton. the
2: detective, Detective Simpson that's there. It's like, all right, well, we're were the 80s. We're going to play it real subtle. We're going to have the detective in a trench coat and hat like Inspector Gadget. He's going to show up. <laughs> it, right.
3: it was right. such a shocking outfit. It's like somebody said – like he could have been in uniform. Like a cop uniform would have been better, but they wanted to show that he was like a an investigator, all a detective. So he had the full – Trench coat, yeah, and the, like the the fisherman style hat, the Inspector Gadget outfit to a T, uh, and they come in and save the day, right?
2: Sort of. I mean, D- D- Dudley. They they find him in the bathroom,
3: yeah. flushing the toilet. He's been given a.
2: flushing the toilet, yeah. and people are laughing. Like, we don't know if he was just shitting blood, but everybody's <laughs> <Yes>. like, ah! <laughs> 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 and then, and then he. He's, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about being all woozy from taking a pill. And the audience is still laughing.
4: Maybe he's in here. Hey, Mr. Drum. It might be better if I looked in there first. <laughs> <laughs> Dudley. Are you okay?
0: Oh, Mr. Drummond, am I glad to see you. Boy, I sure feel goofy.
4: Did Mr. Horton give you anything, Dudley?
2: A pill. He said it would make me feel good. He's,
3: he's been drugged. I'll tell you right now. No 11-year-old knows how to swallow a pill. You can't give a kid a pill. Was it a chewable? That's right like this
2: right? crushed it up into some more Boston cream pie. <laughs>
3: yes, exactly. Also, like be a, like be a better molester, dude. Like you're you're giving the kid a pill, just put it in his give him a soda with the pill roofie style in the soda. Like this is this is molesting 101, I thought.
2: Yeah, and the guy has had a pretty meticulous plan to this point. Everything's been laid yep. out and then it seems like he fumbled it Yeah. The goal. Well, if you think about it, I mean, if you think about it, the loose ends
1: that Mr. Horton just didn't consider. You have a troubled child leaving the scene because he doesn't like what's going on. Like, didn't yeah. you think in the back of your head this kid might go rat me out but somewhere? He, he- isn't one isn't one of the rules to not allow a? a stunned child to
2: leave your premises. But he was, well, that's why I think he went in for the kill. Yeah,
1: he,
3: Cause he was compelled. He was so close and he was too messing and he was compelled to rape. And he's like, I got to do this now just in case.
2: And a few years ago, I stumbled upon Shavar Ross's Twitter account. And I asked him what happened to Dudley once Arnold left.
3: That's, that's and the actor that played.
0: Yes. Dudley. Oh, wow. <laughs>
2: And he's and he just wrote LOL, you were there too, or something like that. <laughs> so so he I'll, so he kept I'll, I'll share that as a show companion. You can you can put it. I was going to say so, so He
1: maintained the theme of laughing at inappropriate stuff by LOLing your reference to molestation.
3: Yeah, the laugh track was going off in Dudley's head. LOL. Okay, let's wrap this up. So they Dudley's dad comes in, and this is like the lesson part of the show. Dudley's dad comes in, and he's like, you didn't do – he does everything you're supposed to tell a kid that's been – had something bad happen to him. He goes, I love you. You didn't do anything wrong. I'm not mad at you. You're still a good kid blah, 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 put your shirt on. And then everybody retires back to the Drummond's living room. The family retires back to the Drummond's living room um, where they, they do sort of some exposition and explain pedophilia and whatnot. Right.
2: Yeah. It's a, it's a very, it's a very uh, wooden scene, I guess. Cause Dudley's dad has laid the foundation. It's the most wooden explanation scene.
3: Yeah, I would agree. And
2: you, I guess this was also where the parents were supposed to pay
1: attention and talk about it afterwards. That don't try to go get the molester off your kid alone.
3: Yeah.
1: You need to call the cops first because I think he said, because if we didn't catch him in the act, then it would have been tough to prosecute. So there's the lesson there call the cops wait more time and give the molester a chance to, to rape yeah. your son. Even yeah. more.
3: Right. He would, he, they said he would have destroyed the evidence, but I thought that was a little weird that he's like, hold on, let me, let's wait for the cops or something before he went over there, n- knowing that Dudley could have been being murdered in the back of the bike shop. Uh, and then, then he, then Conrad or Mr. D ends it with something sort of odd in that he, um, he um, well, reads the PSA. he tells, yeah, he tells Arnold, I'm so proud of you, son. <laughs> what? He, what? The guy's been sneaking around behind your back, lying to you, taking candy and wine from strangers, and looking at pornography at the back of the bike shop. And you're so proud of him at, in that moment. I, I I thought I found that a little queer.
2: Yeah. <laughs> And if uh and if I'm going to praise Willis for the line of the episode, he also had the worst line of the episode when they're like, "Oh, Mr. Horton" and they're like and Willis goes, "I didn't know Mr. Horton is, you know, gay." Gay. And they're <laughs> yes. like, "He's not gay, Willis. He's sick." Yes. And then they just move on no. like, "What the <laughs> fuck just happened there?" That was a weird.
3: God it was really because the cop was like an expert. He was basically a psychologist. He's like, actually, no, the the uh, pedophiles are into children. They're not gay because they're not attracted to adults. And it's like, oh, OK, right, cool. Cop. Thanks, detective.
1: And, and there was a and there there was a reason to explain that to somehow um, quell the thoughts that just because he was after you two doesn't mean he's he's into men. I'm not quite sure why that distinction was made. What what exactly are they trying to teach the audience there?
3: Uh, yeah, that was that was a little odd. the whole The whole last scene was odd. Uh, okay, let's wrap it up. Any final thoughts, Ed Daly?
2: I have to think Maytag wasn't too pleased when I mean that that showed up in reruns for the next decade decade and a half. And he right after this episode, he became the Maytag man.
3: So. Yeah, what about what about his stint on WKRP? Was this a concurrent, or he I, did I WKRP before? Ended,
2: I think that ended, like, that was like a, that show probably yeah. was in the late 70s, so by 83, that show probably was over.
3: W, WKRP ended in 1982, the season before, so apparently. Apparently, this Gordon Jump didn't save his money because he had to jump right into doing something. <laughs> I need work. That I, th-
2: I need work with network television. All right, you
3: gotta yeah, be a kid
2: fucker. Uh,
3: there, had, so, there, I mean, <laughs> there had to be a few. There had to be a few people to pass on this before Gordon Jump took the job.
1: So Gordon Jump went from uh, WKRP to this special episode of Different Strokes, and Lonnie Anderson went into the next uh, phase of her life getting the shit knocked out of her by burt reynolds
3: yeah and and whatever happened to gary sandy anybody uh okay uh uh, jason stewart your thoughts final thoughts on the very special episode of different strokes
1: i'm going to encourage listeners uh to watch this episode and see if they get the same feeling i did the first 30 seconds are, are a little troubling like you kind of a sense that something's going to go down and it's not good. Um, and that had my attention right away. And then the uh, just the laughter, the laugh track So much laughter. Along, along the way up until the end, um, dealing with a more than disturbing subject matter. it's It's just fascinating early 80s television. And you have to keep in mind that just like Brian said at the beginning, there were exactly three networks and a third of the country was watching this show.
3: That's crazy. It's crazy. Shocking, really. Unbelievable. Uh, okay, guys, I want to thank you. Excellent job all the way around. This was a, This was something that we all have a memory of in our childhood. And I went back and looked at it, and it was definitely not. What I remembered, it was much, much, much more disturbing. Um, I, th- I think th- it's an appropriate
2: yes. way for it, us to close the year 2016 with this episode.
3: As bad, as bad as this year has been, as fucked up as the world seems, as as, as as many people as as we have lost is is Gordon Jump still with us? By the way, we need to find out. Or did we lose him a few years ago? I think we did.
1: Yeah, I think we. we probably why ten you years look ago. That up? While you look that up, I need to point out that um I have a feeling that this was the best podcast done on the bicycle man from different strokes all year.
3: <laughs> I think you're right. I think the twenty sixteen other podcasts, yes.
2: I think we did it the best. Best, best, please, very please special top, episode. Top three. Top three. I would
3: sure. say, yes. Uh Gordon Jump kicked off just a short while ago, two thousand three. September nineteen thirty-two to two thousand three. Best known as the clueless radio station manager, Arthur Big Guy Car- Carlson, I, the TV series I beg to differ. WKRP. We know what he's oh, right, known as. It's right up at the top, though. His character attempted to molest Arnold and his friend Dudley. It's it's the first paragraph of his, <laughs> That's
2: a tough of bio. his
3: Wikipedia page. I bet he really regretted that. RIP Gordon Jump. Uh, okay, guys. Excellent job. I really appreciate it. Listeners, thank you very much. It's been a fantastic year of the show. This is the last show of the year. Everyone enjoy their holidays with their family. Jump back w- in with us at the beginning of next year. Um, you guys are awesome. We love the audience. We're stoked we could do this. Episode 149 of the Baller Lifestyle Podcast for Ed daily for special guest Jason Stewart, for the conspicuously absent fancy sauce. I'm Brian Beckner. This has been the Baller Lifestyle Podcast from theballerlifestyle.com. We will see you next year. Now Goodbye. the world
4: don't move to the beat of just one drum. What might be right for you
3: may not be right for some. One man is born, he's a man of beauty. mm